Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep. Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. Marinero, the sick podcast. It was deadline day. Last week, the Carolina Hurricanes signed Jesperi Kakanyemi to a one-year $6.1 million offer sheet in which the Montreal Canadiens had seven days to match. The deadline was give or take at around 5.30 this evening, and about 15 minutes before that, the Montreal Canadiens let it be known to the entire hockey world that they would be walking away and would not be matching Kakanyemi's one-year $6.1 million deal. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette, are you surprised? I'm not. I wrote a column uh, shortly after the Carolina made the offer sheet saying I didn't think Mark Bergevin should match. I thought he should uh, let Kakanyemi go and then use uh, the first-round pick or both picks that he would get in uh, compensation to go get a experienced center, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, I think that with Dvorak coming in, he's a center who's sort of what the Canadians were hoping Kakanyemi would become. Uh, proven commodity, which is something they need right now, especially after Philip Deneau going to L.A. Yeah, uh, so I think it was two smart decisions that Mark Bergevin did on uh, what turned out to be a very busy Saturday afternoon. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sickpod and use code sickpod for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia Beyond Organic Sleep. Well, if people were sleeping, they woke up after about an hour and 15 minutes or so later, Mark Bergevin announced and the Canadians announced that they acquired Christian Dvorak, centerman with the Arizona Coyotes, who has four years left on his contract at $4.45 million, a 25-year-old centerman who can play the wing. Many believe the Canadians are better today than they were yesterday. But before we get to that, Stu, and we will, let's go back on Kakanyemi now. I thought the Canadians should have matched because it would have been too big a hole, already weaker at the center ice position with the going to Los Angeles, unless they end up making a trade to acquire another centerman, which they did. Everyone believes or most believe the Canadians are better today than they were yesterday because right now, Dvorak is a more complete player than Kakanyemi. What the future holds and whether or not Kakinyemi can actually fulfill that potential that a lot of people see in him, that remains to be seen. But I guess, Stu, I should have known because Mark Bergevin and Dominic Ducharme were not the presidents of the Asperi Kakinyemi fan club. They, there's only so much that they can say openly. But you take a look. He always had the leftover line mates. He was a healthy scratch at times during the playoffs. His regular season only had five goals and 20 points, so you can kind of understand. And uh, they were looking for more consistency from him. 
Yep, a number three overall pick, and three years later, they scratch him for the final two games of the Stanley Cup final to play Eric Stahl. And that just shows you. And I think that led – I think I think Jesperi Kakiyemi was looking for a way to get out of Montreal, and Carolina provided it and also gave him – it's like winning the 649 lottery with $6 bucks uh, for one year for uh, for a 21-year-old kid. So I can – we all know about Jesperi Kakiyemi's smile. I can just imagine how big it is tonight uh, back home in Finland. This is like a perfect outcome for him. He makes $6 million next year. He, gets, he leaves Montreal. He goes to Carolina. Fresh start. Rod Brindamore is the coach. I think they're probably going to use him at the wing there to start. They have depth at center, which I think will be a good move. Uh, I think he needed a fresh start. And you're right. I don't think uh, Mark Bergevin or, or Dominic Ducharme were presidents of his fan club. And uh, I didn't think they were going to match the offer. They didn't. Uh, matching the offer would have also thrown the Canadian salary structure totally out of whack. Kakiemi would have been become the second highest paid forward behind Brendan Gallagher. So if you're paying Kakiemi $6.1 million, or I'm Nick Suzuki's agent, and when he's a restricted free agent, Next season, I'm starting at like 6.5 million. I'm saying, look at my player's role, look at his ice time, look at his points, and you're giving this guy 6.1. We want at least 6.5. So, as you mentioned, you know, Dvorak's making 4.45. It's a reasonable contract for a guy who produces the way he does, and it keeps the Canadian salary structure in place moving forward. And I think that's huge. And, you know, Carolina, I wouldn't be shocked uh, after January 1st, Carolina can, can sign Kakinemi to an extension. They can't trade him for a year. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kakinyemi signs an extension after January 1st for somewhere maybe in the $4 million range for five or six years. Uh, there's not supposed to be under-the-table agreements with the salary cap. Uh, but I think in this case, it's a case of, look, kid, we're going to get you out of Montreal. We're going to give you $6 million bucks. Uh, We're going to throw in that $20 signing bonus. This is another dagger in, in yeah. Bergevin's back. And then you're going to owe us one down the road. Uh, you know, Pierre Lebrun reported that the Hurricanes had tried to trade for Kotkaniemi before yeah. the sheet, which means that they have interest in the player. They think he's a quality player. And I think Kotkaniemi is only 21. He still could become a quality player. But I just don't think it was going to happen in Montreal. And he's the latest example of the Canadians, whether it's not drafting well or not developing players well. He goes in that long list of first-round picks who haven't worked out in Montreal. It's going to be interesting to see how he works out in Carolina. But at least in Dvorak, the Canadians are getting a proven commodity and they know what they have going into next season. Look, as far as the first-round picks, I mean, I will say this. Uh, Ryan McDonough was a first-round pick, and he was a great player. It's not Trevor Timmons' fault that they traded him. Max Pacioretty was a first-round pick. He was a great player. It's not Trevor Timmons' fault that they traded him. Carey Price, first-round pick, great player, um, and he's still here. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev, a great player, not Trevor Timmons' fault that they traded him. Having said all that, I will say this, that in the last 10 or 12 years or so, Sergachev really is the only guy who was drafted in the first round that um, is looking good elsewhere anyway. There's a lot of guys that just did not look good at all. And that's unfortunate. And that's something that they definitely have to take a closer look at. And But, you know, as much as sometimes they don't draft the right player in the first round, and this whole Kakanyemi thing, I mean, it's you know, he's gone now. I get it. But I said and I maintain the Montreal Canadiens drafted the wrong player. The player to draft was Brady Kachuk. And if it wasn't going to be Brady Kachuk, the next player to draft would have been Quinn Hughes. Jesperi Kakanyemi, every time the Canadians draft by position or by need, they get it wrong. They wanted to get bigger on defense. They drafted Tenorti. They wanted to get bigger at the forward position. They drafted McCarron. They wanted to get a number one centerman. They drafted Galchenyuk. They wanted to get a number one or a number two centerman. They drafted Kakanyemi. Every single time, they got that wrong. And I spoke with a hockey executive today who said, Tony, the Canadians aren't the only team 
that at times drafts by need or by position. But what most teams do or what is a rule of thumb or should probably be the logic, you can draft some players by position every now and then, but don't do it in your first two rounds. In your first two rounds, you should draft the best player available, and every time they get away from that, they blow it. Now, having said all that, Stu, I will say this as well. I think the Montreal Canadiens rushed Jesperi Kokkinemi. He shouldn't have been in the National Hockey League at 18 years old. He should have been in Finland for a couple of more seasons. He probably should have been in Laval for one full season. They tried to rush him. They got excited when they saw 34 points, figured if he put on weight, got bigger, got stronger, he could end up being the number one guy, and it didn't work out. I hope he rehabilitates himself in Carolina, finds new teammates there, a new system, a new coach, like you said, less pressure, and explodes. But it probably just was never going to happen here anyway. We'll never know. Well, two years ago, the Canadians did draft the best player available when Cole Caulfield fell into their lap because so many teams ahead were afraid of his size. He was the best player available when their pick came up and they took him. And, that, you know, the future, uh, nobody knows what the future holds. But right now, that's certainly looking like a good pick. And, and you know, Kakinyami, I still remember going to the first rookie camp game he played in Laval. And they were playing against Ottawa and they were playing against Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk was dominant. And Jesperi Kakinyami looked totally lost on the ice. I remember leaving, right? I wrote a column that night saying, boy, this kid's nowhere near ready to play in the NHL. But... It was also only maybe his fourth or fifth game ever on a, a smaller North American rink. And he had a great training camp and good preseason. And Mark Bergman likes to say players make the decisions for you. And they thought he was ready to play in the NHL. And his rookie season was quite successful until he sort of yeah. hit a wall. I think it was around game 50, which isn't shocking for a kid who had never played that many games, a new language, new country, new everything. So I don't know if, if that hurt his development so much. I think with the Canadians, and I wrote a column about this recently, they just – they don't have trust in their young players. They don't seem to be willing to let them make mistakes and learn from them. Uh, yeah. Vic Mette talked about that when he went to Ottawa, saying it was so nice to go on the ice knowing if you make a mistake, you're not going to be in the press box uh, uh, the next night. So it, it's been a long time with the Canadians like this. I mean, you go way back to Doug Wickenheiser when he was a number one pick and they made him a healthy scratch for the first game at the Forum when Danny Savard was a number three pick, played that night and was the first star. And, you know, Wickenheiser, you know, his career didn't work out here. And sadly, yeah. he ended up dying from cancer later. But, you know, I wrote a column this week, and, and it was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but it really wasn't. Like, moving forward, the Canadians should think seriously about just trading their first-round pick every year and getting wow. somebody who's proven. Because you go down the list, the last first-round pick who has had a legitimate impact on this team was Max Pacioretty. And, you know, and his career didn't end well in Montreal. It got ugly with him at the end. So, as I said, whether it's a drafting – uh, the developing, it's a long streak of first-round picks who just haven't worked out for one reason. Yeah. Or Nathan Bowie, Alex Galchenyuk, go down the list, and, and, and it's like seven, eight years in a row. Yeah. One pick didn't work out. And, you know, what they've done now is they've traded one of the first-round picks they have next year for Christian Dvorak, who's a proven player. They know exactly what they've got from him. Yeah. And, and so it's something I think the Canadians should think about moving forward because for whatever reason it is, they have a really hard time with their first round picks. And I think part of it is they just don't trust them. I don't think they trusted Kakanyemi in the Stanley Cup final. They trusted Eric Stahl more. You know, Eric Stahl is probably not going to be in the NHL this year. Stu, part of me, the Canadians also have to understand one thing because, you know, I don't know if this is ever going to come out, but I tend to think that Kakanyemi's body language, some of the answers he gave the media, I think there's some things the Canadians didn't like there, right? He let it be known that he wasn't happy with his ice time. He let it be known that he wasn't happy with the usage. He let it be known that he actually was happy when he went to the American Hockey League and talked about how much he learned under Joel Bouchard and all that stuff. 
the Canadians, for the most part, are a relatively conservative organization. And they don't like when players say stuff like this or they mope or they groan and all that stuff. But they have to understand one thing. When you take a player that you drafted third overall and you bring him up right away and you make him an NHL player at 18 years of age, that player has a little bit of swagger after, right? You've given him a little bit too much too soon. And I, once again, well, I think... That's a good thing, Tony. Swagger yeah. can be a good thing, too. Uh, it can be a good thing. Anyway, Christian Dvorak could be a good thing, too, because a 25-year-old centerman who can play left wing, who plays hard minutes, who's a very good two-way player, who scored 17 goals last year, that would probably translate to a 25-goal season and a full season. Players who are usually in Arizona don't produce all that much, and he might actually produce more in Montreal. Canadians are hoping the same thing uh, with the Max Domi effect when coming over to Montreal in the first season. Goes up against other teams' best players. Um, the only thing in Dvorak's case, and this every scout will tell you, he's probably a step behind. He doesn't have that extra gear, so his foot speed is probably not great. If he would have that, he'd be a number two centerman on almost every team. And as it stands right now, still almost every team would like to have him. So right now they're probably celebrating in Montreal. And if you want to have a celebration, sophistication, event rentals, live music, DJ sound systems, tents, chairs, tables, decor, lighting, photo booth, TV screens, one-stop shop. Call them in Montreal, 514-570-5770. I want to get to Dvorak in a second. I keep putting it off, but there's a few things we have to talk about, Kakanyemi. You talked about Pierre Lebrun said the Canadians were involved in trade talks with Carolina earlier this summer. The trade never materialized. And then Carolina said, let's get a deal done or else we're going to offer sheet them. All right. I can tell you this there, you know, Carolina is not the only team they talked to. The Montreal Canadians shopped the Asperi cock and Yemi around this summer. So that's one of two things, or maybe one of, Two or three things. One, they knew they weren't going to get to a contract agreement with him, so they shopped him. Two, they're just not sold on him and want to be better right away and don't think they, you know. Uh, or three, maybe a combination of both. So, And also, uh, Philip Deneau, I mean, you mentioned Dvorak's stats. He also won 52.1% of his face-offs. Yeah, that's good. So who was going to be taking the face-offs this year? I mean, Kotkaniemi had struggled in the face-off circle. Suzuki, yeah. Jake Evans was over 50%, but he wasn't taking face-offs against the other team's number one centerman either. He wasn't going up against uh, the Connor McDavid's of the world or Sidney Crosby in the face-off circle. So the Habs needed somebody who could win key face-offs. And you're, you're right. And Evans is injury-prone, right, Stu? I know it's probably a little bit unlucky. I'm not going to blame him for suffering concussions, but four He's concussions in a span of two years and nine months. And carried off the ice twice on a stretcher out cold uh, from concussions. So... You know, and you mentioned his foot speed, which isn't the best, but Corey Perry proved last season that, you know, if you're smart and you have hockey skills, you can overcome a lack of foot speed. And, and Dvorak's stats speak for himself, 17 goals last year. Um, as I said, I think he's, he's the player. Obviously, when you select a player at number three overall, you have high expectations. But I think if, you know, if last year, uh, if Sperry Kotkaniemi had put up the numbers that Dvorak put up, we wouldn't be here talking about this today. The Canadians would have already locked Kotkaniemi up to another long-term deal and and he'd be playing in Montreal, but he didn't. And as you're right, they just, you know, the thing I remember 
no, don't forget, Cole Coffey was also a healthy scratch to start the playoffs this yeah. year. Yeah. And then when Kakanyemi got back in for game two against Toronto and he scored the only goal in that game, remember he gave that four-finger salute? Yeah. Press box? Yeah. We asked him about it the next day, and he said it was basically a sign to the other guys up there who were healthy scratches. And I got the idea that it was almost an us-against-them mentality. Like, I'm sure Caulfield and Kakanyemi and Suzuki You're right. It could be interpreted that way. It could be, you know what? Uh, they doubted us four, and here I am on the ice, yeah. and I'm scoring. Yeah. You know, the hell with them for doubting us. And it just – it it didn't look good. But it, it didn't look didn't. good. You know what, Tony? When, when Kakanyemi came here, one of the things that was really refreshing about him is that, you know, you mentioned the Canadians like to control the message, like to control yeah. the players, like to try and control the message in the media, like to have control of everything. Kakanyemi came in here as a young kid. He was a breath of fresh air. He'd say what was on his mind. He was funny. Even though his English wasn't great, he was a lot of fun to talk to uh, in the locker room. He's about the same age as my son, so I got a kick out of talking to him and, and really liked him as a kid. I thought he was a nice kid. And with everything he was going through, a new country, a new language, the fishbowl in Montreal, uh, not being able to go anywhere without being recognized, I thought he handled it well. But as you say, the, the Canadians sort of lost confidence in him, and I think he lost confidence maybe in the Canadians. Like, I'm not going to get a chance here. Like, I can't – anytime I screw up, I'm, you know, and then at Bergevin's post uh, press conference after the, the Stanley Cup final, uh, when I think it was Arpin Basu who asked him about, you know, do you have confidence in Kotkaniemi as a second line center going into next season? And he basically said no. You know, with the, then a long answer, he said no. And I'm sure Kotkaniemi was listening to that too. And I think it was just, you know what? I think it was just the Canadians, it was time for them to move on from Kotkaniemi. And it was time for Kotkaniemi to move on from from the Canadians. Kotkaniemi, like you said, is a huge winner in all this, right? His value on the marketplace, probably about $2.5 million. He gets $6.1 million. If it works out in Carolina, they're going to sign him to an extension. And uh, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Like you said, we have to keep note of this as well. His agent, Marcus Leto, doesn't represent hundreds of players in the National Hockey League, but he does have some, obviously. And one of the players he also has is Tevu Teravainen of the Carolina Hurricanes. So there's a relationship there with Marcus Leto and Carolina Hurricanes GM Don Waddell. So for all of those, and the reason why I bring it up is for all of those who are saying Mark Bergevin blew it, he should have locked up Kakanyemi. Two things you need to understand. One, there's, there's a ton of restricted free agents who have not yet signed the contract because they're waiting for the possibility of offer sheets. Their agents are telling them, let's wait because we might get offer sheeted, so you might get more. Two, Bergevin wasn't overly convinced with Kakanyemi. Like you, like we talked about, he tried to trade him. So, I mean, um, for those who are saying he should have signed them, I'm convinced that Tom Dundon, who wanted to pay back the Montreal Canadiens a little bit of revenge after offer sheeting Aho a couple of years ago, I'm convinced he told Marcus Leto, or someone told Marcus Leto, from the Carolina Hurricanes, or someone sent the message from them saying, don't have your client signed. He's going to be offer sheeted with Carolina. So, Kakanyemi, new fresh start, new coach, new line mates, new teammates, less pressure in Carolina, very good team, uh, $6.1 million. This guy's a huge winner. Tony, the 649, I checked on the website, the 649 draw tonight is worth $6 million. Wow, I got to play. Very fucking Yemi just won the 649 at 21 years old. As I said, he's the same age as my son. I can just imagine yeah. if he got $6 million that I'd be dancing around here. Um, it's, it's, you know, and the thing is, like, moving forward, 
the Hurricanes, if Cuckingham becomes a restricted free agent again next year, they have to qualify him at $6.1 million again. Yeah. If he had stayed in Montreal, it would have been the same thing. As I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure the Hurricanes are going to sign an extension with Kotkaniemi after January 1st for less than $6 million. It would make sense. It just of doesn't course. make sense to pay the kid $6 million for one year after scoring five goals. Hush, wink, wink. Let's get this yeah. done. Everybody's happy. Would Kotkaniemi have agreed to an extension in Montreal? I don't think so. I think he wanted to get out of here. So if the Canadians match it, now you got to – as I said, it throws your whole salary structure out of whack. And now next season you got to match that offer in qualifying – or he become excuse me he becomes an unrestricted free agent so it just didn't make sense on so many uh, levels for the Canadians to match it as I said it's time for Kotkaniemi to move on from Montreal it's time for the Canadians to move on from Kotkaniemi and if Kotkaniemi turns into yeah player I think the Canadians were hoping he would be when he was a number three pick if he's like a twenty five goal scorer a seventy point guy a number one center then the Canadians are going to look bad and and Carolina is going to look good but. I think the Canes are going to look better next season with Dvorak in the lineup than they would have looked with Kotkaniemi, especially since, yeah. you know, are the Canadians going to play Kotkaniemi regular? Are they going to give him regular yeah. lineups? Are they going to, you know, or is it going to be like last season if he makes a mistake, you know, in the playoffs anyway, you make a mistake, you're a healthy scratch, you sit in the press box and, and you end up giving that four-fingered salute when you do score afterwards. My God, so much to handle today and so much to digest. Uh, I need some whiskey. Johnny Bootlegger's whiskey. Old-fashioned, both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail available now at SAQs near you. You know what's incredible in all this? You go back to the 2018 draft when the Montreal Canadiens had the third pick overall in the draft. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres had the first pick. The Carolina Hurricanes had the second pick. The Sabres draft Dahlin. The Carolina Hurricanes draft Zvechnikov. Waddell was clearly uh, doing some homework and was aware of who Kakanyemi was because he had a great second half of the season, made his way in some of those scouting reports and some of those mock drafts and stuff like that into the top 10. Having said that, it wasn't unanimous with Kakanyemi. Some had him at 5, some had him at 8, some had him at 10. I think he was as high as 17 or 18, which really makes me even more upset to think the Canadians drafted him because why take a guy at 3rd, that some have a 10, 15, and 18. Why don't you take a guy that's anywhere between three and seven on everyone's list? No, but anyway, I digress. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but Brady Kachuk would look pretty good in a Habs uniform. Well, you're right about that, but you know what's incredible is that today, Carolina, who had the second pick and has Vechnikov, also ended up getting the third pick from the draft, and they have Kakanyemi. My last one of my lasting memories of Kakanyemi is a TV coverage from the draft. And remember that after they selected Kakanyemi, the camera went to the crowd, and that woman in a Canadian's jersey went like, "Like, who is this guy? Like, who what the hell is this guy?" That's, that was sort of a lasting memory from that. And you know, he's it's easy to forget Kakanyemi's 21 years old. He's also one of those tall, lanky kids who's still growing into his body. Yeah, uh, as I said, he's sort of like a Great Dane puppy, right? Awkward and limbs and everything else. When he fills out, I'm sure he's going to be like 220 pounds. Um, the thing is, like, he's going to Carolina. If he can't do it in Carolina now, he's never going to do it because if they're, if he's not motivated, oh, but it won't matter, Stu. He made six million dollars. You and I have to work till we're 150 years old to make that money. Well, you know what though, it's, it, there's, you don't get to the NHL without having a real pride and and, uh, and and as you say, a little bit of a swagger is a good thing. You don't get to the NHL unless you have confidence in yourself and you want to prove something to yourself. Yeah. And it's, because I was talking with Mike Camilleri the other day, who was in town, mm-hmm. Ohio Steel Camp, 
and I was asking him, uh, he's just president of the company or CEO, and I was asking him, you know, at this camp with all, you know, the Connor McDavid there, they had uh, Josh Anderson from the Canes, Jonathan Drouin was there, Ben Schrott. And I asked Camilleri, I said, you know, what are guys trying to, what are they trying to get at this point in the season at a camp like this? Is it just get the feel on the ice? And he said, that's part of it, but part of it is showing the other guys what you got. These guys are competitive. They've been oh, competitive for sure. five years old. So they go on the ice. They're not going all out, but they want to show, like, look what I got type of thing. They're, yeah. like, they're you know, pro athletes are confident, cocky guys. That's how they get to be there. And they like to strut their stuff. So Kakinyemi now is going to be looking forward to strutting his stuff in, in Carolina. I think Rod Brindamore will be a great coach for him there. Uh, it'll certainly help him in the gym. I and mean, Rod Brindamore is in better shape than some of the players on his team, I think. And maybe help Kakanyemi put on some more weight, get a he's little. All, bit- he's always been a fitness freak, that Brendan Moore. But look, I'll say this: you know, Christian Dvorak wants to prove something as well. You mm-hmm. take a look at social media since this trade went down, and there are a lot of people familiar with this player saying, "Incredibly underrated player," and Montreal is going to absolutely love this guy. So you know what? Everyone's talking about the fact that. Um, and here's a question coming in. Could Dvorak be a piece to get Eichel? No, absolutely not. Right, Stu? Not happening. Uh, forget about no, it. I, I think you can forget about Eichel. So now everyone's talking about the fact that Carolina used a tool that was available to them, which was offer sheeting Kakanyemi, and they got their guy. I think the Canadians took advantage of a situation as well. What situation am I talking about? The Arizona Coyotes are a very average team. Christian Dvorak is one of their better players. I would imagine that the new head coach, Andre Tourigny, would love to have Christian Dvorak more so than have a first-round pick and a second-round pick. But because he makes $4.45 million over the next four years and the economic and financial situation within the Coyotes is uh, not so good, the Canadians took advantage of the situation because... Dvorak is a player that you would think Andre Tourigny would love to have in his lineup and Arizona would not want to trade because one of their better players. Yep. And with Dvorak, if you go back and look at his numbers in junior, he played in London, uh, which is probably about as pressure-packed market in junior hockey you can get. I mean, so many people who play there say it's like an NHL environment. They sell out that arena. He lit it up there. So he went from playing in London with the full rink there every night, and it's like a mini NHL team in London, to playing in Arizona. And, you know, I've been to games in Arizona, and, man, it's uh, you wonder how the players stay awake. Where there's you know nobody in the fans. There's no atmosphere. It's a beautiful arena. It's a beautiful location. There's nobody there. So now coming, it looks like the Canes are going to start the season with only 7,500 people at the Bell Center. Obviously, things could change between now and the season starts. But I think he's one of those guys who's going to yeah. feed off the atmosphere of playing in a hockey market, being somewhere where people care. You know, it, it can be a, a double-edged sword, right, uh, with the pressure in Montreal playing. But I think when you come from a market like Arizona where nobody really cares, there's nobody, there's no atmosphere in the rink, uh, nobody knows who you are. I think for a guy who came out of London, uh, had success there, I, I think he's a guy who's going to really enjoy playing in Montreal and enjoy the environment. Ben Sherratt spoke about that when he decided to come here. Josh Anderson spoke about that, how the atmosphere at the Bell Centre is reasons that they wanted to come here. And I think for Dvorak, I think the atmosphere here, I think he will feed off it. Uh, 33 points in his first season, 37 in his second season, uh, only seven points, but in 20 games in his third season, 38 points in 70 games in his fourth season, 
and 31 points last season in 56 games, 17 of which were goals. We talked about all the things that Dvorak does better right now than Kakanyemi. He's a better two-way player. He's a better face-off man. He's a better goal scorer. He plays hard minutes. He's more reliable. He's more consistent. The list goes on and on. I love that. What worries me is further down the line. Take a look at what Dvorak's done in the National Hockey League longer than Kakanyemi. It seems that what you see is what you get, and you kind of get the feeling that, uh, what can he be? More so than probably a point every other game? Kakanyemi, if he ends up fulfilling that potential that some people see in him, he might become a 60-point guy one day. So I think the Canadians are better right now, but I think there's more upside for Kakanyemi. He may reach it, he may not, but I think there's more upside for Kakanyemi. Well, yeah, I mean, might's a big word too. As I said, you know, they've got a proven commodity here. Uh, yeah, here with Dvorak, and uh, you know, as you say, big minutes. He's a guy that Dominic Ducharme is going to trust the the play him in whatever situations they need to play him in, which they didn't with Kutkinyemi. I'm sure Dominic Ducharme is probably happy tonight uh, that Dvorak's joining the team. Uh, you know, getting him used to that system that they play. They're going to have a full training camp this year, obviously, which will make a big difference from from last season. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, as, as I've said before, I said I just think it was, you know, the Canadians. The other thing too is that the salary cap is so important now in the NHL more than more so than ever since it's a flat cap at eighty one point five million. So not only do you have the certainty of a proven commodity of Dvorak on the ice, you also know he's only going to make. Or only four point four five million yeah. in the next four years. Don't forget, they're going to have to re-sign Suzuki. They're going to have to re-sign Caulfield. At some point, they're going to have to re-sign Romanov. So it all the salary cap is the reason why you know, all these teams have salary cap gurus on the team now because they're as important as a coach or a GM. Yeah, making sure everything fits. So he he just fits. He fits on the ice. His contract fits into the uh, the salary structure for the team. Uh, moving forward. So now when Nick Suzuki comes up for his contract, Brendan Gallagher is the highest paid player at 6.5 million, a proven 30 goal scorer. Uh, you know, so Nick Suzuki, you know, he's not going to come in and say, I want 6.5 million because Kakanyemi got 6.1. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the way the NHL works with, you know, as I said, if I'm Nick Suzuki's agent and Kakanyemi is making 6.1, I'm not asking for any less than 6.1. So Stu, it's all going to play itself out at camp. But I'm going to give you my lines for now. Actually, why don't you start? Give me your lines with uh, oh, Christian Dvorak in the lineup. You caught me off guard here because I need to look through all the changes they've had in the roster. Go ahead. Okay, and hold on me. a second. I'll give you mine. Yeah. Nick Suzuki in between Cole Caulfield on his right and Tyler Toffoli on his left. Yeah, Christian good. Dvorak with Josh Anderson on his right and Mike Hoffman on his left. Jake yeah. Evans with Brendan Gallagher on his right. Drouin. And Jonathan Drouin on his left. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cedric Paquette with Yoel Armia on his right. And Matthew Perot and or Arturi Lekkinen on his left. And of course, Byron is going to be out for the first couple of months of the season. And that's the way I see uh, the forward lines shaping up. How about you? That's a, the thing, you know, what's, you know what's sort of cool about that, Tony, is that when you look at those lines that you mentioned, there's a, you can move guys around a lot. Yeah. You know? There's guys like you're talking about having Jonathan Drouin on a third line. If Jonathan Drouin plays the way Jonathan Drouin can play or the way they hope he can play, he could be a first-line player. 
Uh, and there's a lot of got Brendan Gallagher. You got Brendan Gallagher, a 30 goal scorer on the third line there. There's another. So there's a lot of um, the Canes don't have that superstar player right now, but they have guys that you can move up and down in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, I still think they're going to have a hard. I think the loss of Shea Weber is going to be enormous, uh, both on and off the ice for the team. Uh, but as I say, they're a better team now than they were before five o'clock today. At least if you could place your bets on my bookie and you go to mybookie.ag slash the sick podcast and use code sick picks to double your deposit, bet, win, get paid. Who picks up more points for the upcoming season? Yasperi Kakanyemi or Christian Dvorak? Hmm, that's uh, you asking me. I'm asking you. Christian Dvorak, I would say. All right. So there you have it. You're right. The next season. I'm not sure because I think I don't think Kakiyemi is going to go from the player he was in Montreal to all of a sudden like a, a 20 goal scorer like that. Maybe he will. I think, as I said, I think if they move him to the wing, I think it'll help him. He's got that shot. It would take the defensive responsibility off of him and put him with good players. I mean, he's, he played with so many different line combinations here. Uh, it was tough for him to get any kind of vote. And that thing in the back of your mind, if I screw up, I'm going to get benched or I'm going to get dropped to the fourth line or I'm going to get moved around or it's going to be you – know, one, one of the reasons that – the Deno Tatar Gallagher line was so successful. They stayed yeah. together for two years. They played together. They knew each other. They knew they could they could feed off each other. Doesn't happen a lot in the NHL anymore. And with Kakinyemi, he was all over the place. So if Carolina puts him with moves him to the wing, puts him with two regular players, a good centerman and, and another good winger, uh, I think it'd be close. Like it would be close between him and Dvorak. But just from today. What I know today, I mean, if we find out where Kakinyemi is playing once the season starts and what their yeah. lines are, will change my mind. But as of right now, I would say uh, I'd have my money on Dvorak for more points. By the way, on Friday night, I tweeted out uh, that, you know, Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson have had their share of heat over the last six weeks, of course, with uh, the drafting of Logan Mayu and the fact that some people don't believe the Canadians are a better team now than the team that finished the playoffs. And I just thought that if they were going to walk away from Jesperi Kakinyemi they were going to announce a trade which would make them win the day uh, because they want it to be better. Anyway, it happened. Lucky guess. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people thought Bergevin, you know, the Hurricanes matched. They said they were going to match the offer for Aho like within 24 hours. And a lot of people were thinking maybe Bergevin is just getting revenge. He's going to wait till the last minute and leave him twisting in the wind. Obviously, Mark Bergevin was on the phone trying to find out what he could get. What can I get for this first round pick? What can I get? Dvorak, I think, was probably his target right from day one. Uh, maybe even before the offer sheet. And Stu, oh. Stu, I think he did great considering that everyone saw him coming from a mile away. Well, of course. And you know what? Right. I mean, I've been critical of Bergevin in the past. And I like, you know, Red Fisher was my mentor in this business. And he always told me, criticize, be fair. And I always I always try and do that. And, you know, being fair for Mark Bergevin here, he, he, he made a good move. He made it. He made a good, uh, a good, I thought he made two good decisions today. One was not to, uh, not to match the offer sheet. And the other one was to make the, make the trade for Dvorak. So um, as I said, I think the Canes are a better team now than they were before five o'clock. Always a pleasure, Stu. Talk to you soon. All right, Tony. Anytime, bud. Bye-bye, KK. Hello, Devo. Marinero, the sick podcast. I'm out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. 
Beyond Organic Sleep. Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. 